You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. Got a good show lined up today. Excited to have Nate Duncan on the show um, of the Dunked On Podcast, also the Hollinger and Duncan Podcast. There's been two episodes so far on the Locked On Podcast Network is where you can check that out. So we'll be sure to have him on in the second segment. Going to debut a new segment, a new thing. Doug's been coming up with a lot of these things. Just popping them out, baby. This mind's been (laughs) full lately. Yeah, yeah, you have been putting the producer hat on and you've been pumping out a lot of content. I appreciate it. This is Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. We're also going to have voicemail again in the third segment. We're getting those calls rolling in. That's a lot of fun. If you want to leave a voicemail for us, you can join us on our Uh, Patreon page. We're not going to have a voicemail. We don't have a voicemail. We're just going to preview tonight's game against Sacramento. But we, okay, but, we can do that. But I would like to do more voicemails. So if, yeah, leave a voicemail on patreon.com forward slash LOH uh, so that we can get those voicemails rolling in and put your voice on the air. All right. In the third segment, we're going to preview the Sacramento Kings game. And we're not going to do a voicemail. But if you want to call in and leave a voicemail, feel free to do so. How you feeling, Walker? still recovering? I'm, Recovering a little bit, not feeling too great. <laughs> Thought we were doing a voicemail. Well, there's so many things that, I mean, there's so many things that are up in the air right now. Like there will be times where it's like, okay, well, this is in the rundown, but it's not going to be, we're, we're not doing this today, but it'll be in the rundown. Like I don't, it's, I'm so confused. I'm confused. On it a lot sounds of like things. someone needs a Purell bath. Yeah, I need a Purell bath. Uh, 100% is what I need. So we are going to talk about the Kings Hornets game in the third segment. If you want to leave a voicemail, uh, you can do so by joining our Patreon page, patreon.com slash LOH for $3 a month. You have the ability to leave us a voicemail. We've gotten two already, and we appreciate those guys for doing so. Let's talk a little bit more about what we saw in the Clippers game, Doug. And one big storyline we really didn't dive all that deep into is Malik Monk. Malik Monk did have 15 points in this game against the Clippers. Rick Bunnell, in our interview with him yesterday, discussed that Malik Monk was being passive. That Malik, even though he got the 15 points, it was someone that had been being pass- had been passive the previous two games where he didn't have any points. He had what I thought was a pretty good game in the first game of the season against the Chicago Bulls. Had a big three, got out in transition pretty well. I thought it was pretty solid. And then the next two games against the Timberwolves, against the Lakers, came up with a goose egg in the score column and then didn't get all that many minutes. Against the Clippers, he comes off to a hot start. Uh, I think he starts off four for four, if you want to call it three for three, because there was a, a lob pass that actually went into the basket that actually counted as a bucket. So really started off three for three, but technically started off four for four. Would end up seven of 12 with 15 points. Only one of five from three-point land, so that's got to get... High, that's got a he's got to hit that at a, a more efficient rate. But what did you think of Malik Monk against the Clippers, Doug? And what did you think of Rick Bennell saying that he was being passive? Well, first, I, I'm not impressed by the 15 points. I'll tell you that right now because one of, and I'll go no, back to what you well, said. Well, let me tell you, that shocks me. Okay, like out of all the things that you could have said, I could have sworn that you would have come in here talking glowingly about Malik Monk. This is shocking to me. No, it just doesn't impress me because one of five from three. I feel like the bar has been now set so low for Malik Monk <laughs> at this point that 15 points all, all on two point two pointers at this point is what we're. This guy was supposed to be a three point shooter. 
This guy was Wait, supposed so- to be a microwave shooter. Comes in, drops it down from deep, spreads out the the defense, and is a threat out there. And he's not. He's just not a threat. I don't know why. I don't think teams are really guarding him close from beyond the arc, and they don't need to because he's not hitting shots right now. You are four, ridiculous. Four turnovers. Seven of 12 from the field, and yet you're not impressed because he's one of five. How about five. four like, turnovers? Yeah, it needs to go up. How about yeah. four turnovers? Oh, and, no, I saw in a game yeah. In a game when the Hornets <laughs> wow. had 20-plus turnovers that led to 33 mm-hmm. points. So, yeah, you know, and, and, and if he's had, passive, yeah, he's passing it to you. the other team, Walker. That's where he's passing it. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it. He was he was truly awful. Man, is it it's going to be like that, huh? That that's it's going to be like that for Malik. 2 of 10 from beyond the arc this season. 20%. Do the math. It's not been good. It's not been good. Okay. Oh, I did the math. I thought the math was good when I went 7 of 12. Like I thought that was okay. So what's I, going yeah, on with him being passive? So this is an edict <laughs> from the coaching staff then. That's that's the deal that they wanted him, I guess, early on to get others involved, which seem again seems strange to me because it's not like this this bench was supposed to have a lot of firepower. Now Devontae Graham who's been playing more and more with with starting units because Terry Rozier and Dwayne Bacon have been in foul trouble, but they didn't. Ex- I don't know if they really expected Devontae Graham to play this well. So I, I'm just confused as to why you would want Malik Monk, who is supposed to be, you know, on the scouting report, one of your best scorers, be, turning him into a point guard. Like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, if look to me, I don't mind having him be more of a facilitator if that is something that he is clearly doing best. I mean, he makes a lot of good plays and he does have the ability to score. I like the basketball in Malik Monk's hands. You know, Doug, to me, this was a, this was a comment from James Borrego that Malik Monk was being passive within this offense. And Rick Bennell mentioned it as well when we talked with him yesterday. So my, my question is, is, was he being passive in the offense because that is what his role was supposed to be? Or was he being passive for another reason? Because it just confuses me. Malik Monk, you know, full of confidence, you know, loves his offensive game despite the numbers not being there. He's he's an extremely confident shooter, offensive player. Why would he be be Why would he be passive right now when the Hornets uh, all they're doing is scoring? They're not, I mean they're not even defending. Right, because they're getting all the touches. It was weird for me to hear James Borrego say that. Like Malik Monk isn't getting touches. When you look at him and when you look at him and touches per 36 minutes, I mean, it's below Marvin Williams and Marvin Williams is a guy that's all straight up spot up shooting. And then if he does get the ball in the perimeter, he's swinging it around. And Malik Monk is someone that I don't feel like they were drawing up plays enough for him to be a ball handler getting touches. So that was the thing that didn't make sense to me. Malik Monk's being passive. Well, okay, Dwayne Bacon is someone that's getting a lot of touches and shooting the hell out of the basketball. Terry Rozier put up 17 field goals against the Clippers. Miles Bridges has been someone that you want to be aggressive. Cody Zeller, hello, we've talked about him being way more involved in the offense. P.J. Washington, all the starters are getting plenty more touches. Now let's go to the bench where Devontae Graham is running the point. He controls the basketball. He's getting more touches. And then I just mentioned Marvin Williams getting more touches per 36 minutes. And so when we talk about Malik Monk being someone that has been passive in the last two games and it's on Malik, I just... It's just he's not getting the touches there. And then so when he got a little bit more run, when he tried to do as much as he could with the clip in the Clippers game, 
I thought he was actually pretty successful. And you're, you're right about him needing to shoot better from three. There's no doubt about that. I don't know if I would go so far as to say I'm not impressed with the 15 points. Look at only the four turnovers. Like to me, I think Malik Monk played pretty well against the Clippers. I saw some pundits speak that he actually had some decent rotations defensively. But to me, the passiveness wasn't necessarily on Malik just kind of lollygagging around and going Nick Batum style standing in the corner waiting for everybody else to do things. To me, it was pretty clearly the offense not running through him kind of as far as the coaching style goes. That's what it looked like to me out there. Yeah, a lot of these buckets, you know, basically just catching the defense off guard and and driving quickly past his defender. Uh, a lot of floating, a lot of floaters in this game as well. I mean, those are those are not necessarily easy shots. Uh, so that's why I, I desperately want to see him drop some in from three because I, I think. You know, this offense, because Devontae Graham is playing so well and drawing attention, I think they can find Malik Monk open for shots. He's just got to knock them down. No, he does. You're right about that. Like, look, I thought it, I think it's way too far to say you're not impressed at all, right? Like, to, again, I understand that. But you're right about the three point shooting. This is something that he was brought in to do, and he needs to do a lot better at that. Hopefully, those shots will come down and, and go down for him in the future. But, I understand that there's some criticism that's deserved because it hasn't happened the first two years when he was supposed to come in and immediately provide some talent in that area. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Locked On. That's all one word, Locked On, at checkout. We got Nate Duncan up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. I'm not a big fan of grape jelly. I kind of, I'm a little insulted that you referred to me as grape jelly. I'm not a fan of grape anything. Now, I like grapes, but I don't like grape flavoring. I think it goes back to the Robitussin that I had as a kid, and I just don't like grape flavoring. Anyway, great to be back. Great to be back on the show. (laughs) It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Welcome back to the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're now joined by Nate Duncan. You know him from the Dunked On podcast and his many other projects around basketball analytics. He's now a part of the new show on the Locked On Podcast Network called Hollinger and Duncan. Nate is joined by former Grizzlies executive and athletic contributor John Hollinger each week to take a closer look at the major NBA storylines. Nate, thanks so much for hopping on, man. How are you? Hey, great to be here, and uh, this is going to be a fun segment, I think. Uh, I am not known for my brevity, so this will be a, a fun challenge for me. Well, you know, we're so for the listeners, we're debuting a new segment today just for Nate. Uh, and Nate, I don't know if you know this, but your name it rhymes with Nate, so our very clever producer thought we should implement eight with Nate today. Got to go simple. for the rhyme. Um, yeah, we go for the rhyme. <laughs> Every it, time. <laughs> Rolls off the tongue. You're an amazing producer, Doug. We have eight questions on the NBA. Just to explain it for the listeners, you have eight seconds to answer, Nate. So eight seconds to answer eight questions. We're going to go fast. It's not well, quite eight seven seconds, seconds on or each less. question. I think a second right. per per answer would be uh, too tough. Oh, we're going to make it that easy. So we're eight gonna, seconds no, gonna... <laughs> per question. Eight questions. Eight seconds. Nate Duncan. All right. So Nate, for you, are you ready for uh, eight for Nate? Eight with Nate. Nate Duncan, are you ready for all of it? I, I am poised in the starting blocks, gentlemen. Let's go. Uh, all right. Sounds good. All right. And we're off. Number one, Nate, what do the Lakers need to figure out in order to contend for a title? Go. Uh, they got to figure out who can be a ball handler besides LeBron, and they got to figure out whether AD is going to be their center or their power forward. Oh, smoking fast. I love it. <laughs> all right. Number two, who has a better chance at MVP this season? 
LeBron or Anthony Davis? Anthony Davis. Uh, LeBron seems like he's really trying to get him going. Davis uh, plays more and harder in the regular season and actually plays defense, which LeBron doesn't do much of anymore. Nate, scorching <laughs> All right. fast. All right, number three. How is Kimba fitting in with the Boston Celtics? Uh, it's been a little bit difficult because they have so many more ball handlers and other mouths to feed than he had with the Hornets. Brad Stevens doesn't run as much high pick and roll, but he'll figure it out. No backcourt right. violations here. All right, I'm waiting for it, Doug. Uh, number four, how is Russell Westbrook fitting in with James Harden? Uh, with Harden, it hasn't been an amazing fit, but with the rest of the Rockets, it's awesome. He's just got so much space to work with. He can really overpower guys, get to the rim, and then set up shooters. Uh, the help doesn't come as easily as it did in Oklahoma City. Nate, Flash Duncan. Number five, what's going on with the Golden State Warriors? Yeah, they have three NBA players available right now, but those are pretty good <laughs> NBA players. So that's a recipe for about 500 unless they can add some reinforcements, which they can't under the hard cap. Only three. I love it. All right. All right. Number six. What's going on with the Sacramento Kings? High expectations, but off to an 0-4 start. Yeah, they aren't getting as much in transition. Bogdanovich and Heald are really struggling from the field and their defense hasn't been any good either plus Bagley is injured so that gets you to 0-4 negative 27 net rating so far oh right at the buzzer love it <laughs> alright number 7 a lot of players getting signed to extension but those are boring so let's talk trades which player is most likely to be traded to a contender by the trade deadline this season Danilo Gallinari of the Oklahoma City Thunder expiring contract doesn't fit in there at his age has some trade value Rapido that was the most impressive one. That's insane. All right, last one. What rookie has impressed you the most this season, Nate? Zion Williamson, even though we only saw him in the, in the preseason. Uh, but after that, I would say uh, Kendrick Nunn because I didn't even think he was an NBA player before the start of this year, and he's averaging 20 a game. That's Ooh. eight with Nate. Ooh. Damn. <laughs> That's impressive, man. That was hot. How'd you feel great. after answering all of that, Nate? <laughs> uh, I... <sighs> Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little exhausted, uh, but might need a little bit of a break here. I feel uh, I feel no, sexy. Not, that was we're, awesome. We're that good. was great. Yeah, I mean, maybe I should just make do this format on on one of my podcasts. I'm done in like you know three minutes. This is awesome. We're done here, right? We don't have to do anything else or what? Well, well, well we're going to try to get you out of here. You know, one more thing, I guess, before we do actually get you out of here. What trends are you seeing? This one take as long as you want. Uh, just. Overall, Nate, what trends are you seeing that it could be offensive, it could be defensive? Just overall, what is some of the other takeaways on the trends that is going on in the NBA right now before you do eventually get you out of here? Yeah, so the obvious boring answer is more three-pointers and more pace. Pace tends to fall over the course of the season, I think just in part because guys get tired and every coach comes in with the idea of, oh, we're going to run this year, and then they find out that your team's getting run out of the gym and you don't have the talent, so you got to slow things down a little bit. But uh, Kevin Pelton noted this the other day that pace is up another possession per game compared to where it was last year. I mean, uh, we're probably almost 15 possessions per game now higher than we were maybe 15 years ago. Uh, so that's pretty remarkable. Uh, and then the three-point shooting, again, being up uh, as well. A lot of teams jacking up threes early in the season. So those are the obvious ones. The less obvious one is there doesn't appear to be a dominant team early on, you know, I mean, after three, four games for most of these teams, you would expect there to be a ton of outliers, a, a team that's just killing everybody. Uh, the Phoenix Suns and Minnesota Timberwolves have the two best net ratings in the NBA 
right now. And there don't appear to be any like really terrible teams either, frankly. Uh, you know, Golden State and Sacramento have the worst net ratings, but the, the, those teams have talent. They're not going to be among the absolute dregs. But there doesn't appear, at least at first blush, to be, you know, that 17 win team, Cleveland. Phoenix, Washington has been a lot better than expected. They actually uh, uh, have looked pretty decent. So that's they're, some of the teams that we thought were going to be the worst aren't. So it seems like the league is kind of squished together, at least as of right now. Obviously, there'll be injuries. There'll be things that happen where teams fall out of it. Uh, but as of right now, uh, you know, it looks like most nights there are going to be competitive games. There aren't any total nights off on the schedule. Nate, going back going back to the uh, pace and space uh, trends that you're seeing. I mean, it's only getting faster. It's we're only seeing more three pointers. But do you hear any rumblings around the league about teams or coaches that are that are trying something different to to defend what's going on or trying to counteract, have a reaction to this action that we're seeing right now? Is anyone brave enough to try something different and and figure out a way to stop all of these threes from happening? Yeah, you know, there has not been a ton. We saw more teams. Jared Dubin had a nice piece on this last year uh, of more teams playing zone. We also thought that maybe there would be more teams going big this year. And maybe you can do that, but you still got to have three-point shooting at that four spot. Uh, I haven't seen as much zone this year, anecdotally at least. I haven't seen the numbers on it yet. It's pretty early. Uh, On teams playing zone, the anecdotally it hasn't really worked out that well the teams that have played zone and you know there is a bit of a feedback loop there where if you're not a good defensive team you're like all right we got to try something different we're going to play zone but you're already playing zone as a bad defensive team so you're probably gonna be bad at zone too you know we haven't seen good defensive teams really try to play zone because the man-to-man is working for them so no i haven't seen you know switching was in vogue for a while but there aren't necessarily you know we've seen toronto do it on the second unit, we've seen Denver do it on the second unit, but there aren't those teams that are just pure out switching teams the way Golden State was, the way Houston was. You know, they still do a fair amount of it, but there isn't that team where you're like, oh, these guys are switching and we can't score on them uh, the way there has been in the past. So, uh, no, there, it doesn't seem to be an antidote yet, uh, and we haven't seen any just like crazy strategies uh, from some of these teams. So. Um, and, and I mean, I think the other part of it, too, is just coaches are like, well, hey, like we need three point shooting. We got to keep up with all these other teams offensively. So we're going to play our, more of our offensive players than play defensive players. Right? I mean, you see a lot of these teams now, like, say, the Pistons, for example, you know, they're playing basically two guards at the three in addition to, you know, playing guys who used to be three men at the four. Um Golden State doesn't really have like a traditional three. I think you're seeing a lot more teams even going with twos at the three just to get more offense on the floor. Uh, And you don't see these guys out there like you did 10 or 15 years ago who are just like total defensive specialists unless you're a center, basically. All right, great stuff. Once again, that was Nate Duncan. He's on Twitter at NateDuncanNBA. Also check out the new Hollinger and Duncan pod right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Nate, thanks so much for being a good sport, coming on, playing eight with Nate with us. We really appreciate the time. All right, maybe you guys will even give me nine seconds per answer next time, huh? No, no, that's that's not the way eight with Nate works. It doesn't rhyme. And I'll just have to change my name to like Klein or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, that's good. Yeah, legally do that. And then we'll talk about adding another second on there. Nate, thanks so much, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks, guys.
All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back with plenty more here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. So if you don't believe in the moon landing, Mm -hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement? I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise rather than counterclockwise. It's really tough. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. with Nate. Nate Duncan. Nate the Great. Tr- trying to get us mo- trying to get more segments. Nine with Brian. We could do that if we got real Claremont County on it. Do nine with Brian. <laughs> it's Catawba County, Crib, Claremont individual city, but yes, that would work. Whatever, man. Nine with Brian. If you're gonna if you're gonna clown us, you gotta clown us. County right? City. Whatever. I like nine with Klein though. Now the real thing is, does he try to cheat even more so and go ten with Ken? Do we try to do something like that? Because he wants more seconds. I thought he did a great job. The Danilo Gallinari thing right off the top of the head. That's impressive. Kendrick Nunn on top. And Zion Williamson. I He was good, man. 11 with that's Devin. That's off the Nate. 11 with Devin. That's great. Oh, 12 is impossible. There's no way. There's no way anybody has anything that rhymes with 12. 12 with Melv. And- yeah, that's that's honestly as good as we could have asked for. 13 with Dean. John Fokey on Twitter tweeted out something pretty interesting that the Hornets have won six of the last eight against the Kings with two of the wins coming in overtime. So we know that they are close games usually against Sacramento and Doug, while this is not a team that we should be judging based on wins and losses regarding the Charlotte Hornets, Sacramento does start 0 and 4. It is the worst start since 2008, 2009 when they only won 17 games. This West coast trip was supposed to be extremely difficult and it has proved to be so far, but now you've got the Sacramento Kings off to a bad start. We know that Golden State is a team that isn't playing particularly good basketball. Maybe we can sneak in a dub there against the Sacramento Kings. What do you think, Doc? Well, I think what I'll be watching for is uh, the Charlotte Hornets' resiliency, right? Because they've they've gone through two extremely difficult matchups against the Lakers and the Clippers. A lot of talent on both of those teams, and they've clearly been outclassed. But they didn't get run out of the gym. Now they they lost by big numbers, but if you watch the games. Everyone was playing hard. Everyone was playing tough. In fact, they made a run at the Clippers at the very end of that game and and just tried to go too fast, essentially, and turn the ball over, and and the Clippers sealed it, and Kawhi is great. So I want to see this team go up against a wounded Sacramento team, and, and I would love to see a win here. I think they need it. I think it would be great for team morale because you don't what you don't want is for the team to start losing hope that that they can get wins this season. I mean, in, in, in my mind, the win-loss record does matter to that extent. Uh, you want to see them sprinkle uh, a couple of victories here and there to keep hope alive that this team is developing. Uh, so uh, this Sacramento team, they're almost at the point of losing hope, and they've got some controversies uh, surrounding some of their players not being happy with their roles. Bogdan Bogdanovich wants to be a starter. He's a, he's in the six-man role right now. And so, you know, this is a perfect opportunity for a young team to sneak in there and get a dub. 
Yeah, I'm trying to remember if I heard this on the Low Post podcast, but I think they were discussing that Bogdanovich is a perfect candidate to get traded at some point because he's not happy with his role or that they're just going to have too many people within that role. Very New York, New York Knicks-esque, getting a lot of the power forwards like Bogdanovich, just not going to find the role that he wants there. And I think they brought that up with uh, maybe Kevin Artovitz was a guest there. It, it just it, it made too much sense at the time. Also, I kind of looked at their shooting percentages. Doug, you know, De'Aaron, De'Aaron Fox was fantastic last year. And it's someone that a lot of people hypothesize might be the best basketball player in the NBA in five years, right? Like he's kind of in the running for that. But De'Aaron Fox is someone that's shooting under 40%. Marvin Bagley, just the little time that he did play before he got injured was shooting under 40%. That they got, they've got their guys that are supposed to be taking over the reins on the offensive end that aren't shooting very efficiently. And speaking of Marvin Bagley, Adam Taylor of Fansided, after that injury that Marvin Bagley suffered, he has an uh, uh, injured thumb and is out for a while. Adam Taylor of Fansided tweeted out, currently without the services of Marvin Bagley III, the Kings are missing the versatility he provides when on the court. Interestingly, the Kings have not plugged another player into the rotation, instead opting to roll with just a nine-man rotation. Bagley was good last year. I liked Marvin Bagley. And if you're going to miss him, that is going to hurt you quite a bit. Um, so again, all reasons why the Charlotte Hornets could possibly get a victory. And the Kings were the team last year that really the Hornets are this year, young, uh, full of talent that wants to run, get out into transition. That's what they were last year. But so far during this 0-4 start for the Kings, uh, they have slowed down tremendously. This tweet from Ivanowski NBA on Twitter last season, the Kings were first in the league with 20.9 fast break points per game. So far this year, they're down to 26 with only 8.3 per game, Sacramento's identity as a speedy young team that will run it down your throat is nowhere to be found right now. Hopefully it stays lost. And the Hornets got to get back got to get back out on the break as well. Uh, they took a dip in their fast break point uh, numbers against the Clippers. They'll look to recover tonight against the Kings. All right. Thanks to Nate Duncan for joining us here today. Thanks to you for listening on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And you can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow for another edition. Four with more.